What if they come for you one day? We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to bring up Afghanistan again. No, it's not old news. And why are people leaving the big city? All that's coming up on I'm Right. Accountability. Don't you love that word? Well, I take that back. I take that back. Don't you love that word when it applies to other people? You probably don't love it when it applies to you. I, I, I don't. I, who, who enjoys that? Now, when it comes to anything else, we want people held accountable. I don't care if it's your football team. Someone better be accountable for this loss. I want the offensive coordinator fired. You, want, you love that kind of accountability. When it comes to you, oh, geez, the trash can's overflowing. And I forgot to put it out yesterday. Hey, don't yell at me, man. It was a mistake, right? We love accountability when it comes to other people. But let's, let's be honest. Without it, what are we? How well would you work at your job? Whatever your job may be, even if it's a stay-at-home mom. How well would you work at your job if there was never any accountability for it ever? Accountability isn't something. Accountability is everything. And part of the reason we live in such a rotted, broken culture now is we never have any of it. Yeah, I'm going to bring up Afghanistan again. We're about to have a little military talk. I know there's all this inflation stuff out there right now, and I, 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 I get that. We have to understand the stakes of having a good military or having a military that's broken and wrong and having an entire government that is broken and rotted and wrong. The stakes are quite literally everything you care about. Everything. Let's, let's talk about Afghanistan. Let's remember, we drone striked seven people in Afghanistan. Well, ten people, I'm sorry. We drone striked seven children in Afghanistan. Now, let's, let's remember what this looks like, all right? Because if they did that, if the Taliban walked into somebody's home in America and they killed 10 people, including seven children, with a bomb or bayonets or whatever they used, you would be understandably outraged. Outraged. That's a war crime. What we did is a war crime. We called in a Reaper drone, and we murdered 10 people with it. Some of those are adorable little kids. We did that as a nation. I know you didn't. I didn't do it. But as a nation, we did that. And that's a really big deal. The world watched us do that. The world watched the United States of America commit a war crime. And Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby, you see, they've been looking into it. He got up and he had this to say. Do you, do you have any announcements in terms of any punishments, judicial punishments, for those who were responsible for the drone strike? I do not anticipate there being issues of personal accountability to be had with respect to the August 29th airstrike. What we saw here was a breakdown in process, um, an execution in procedural, uh, 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 procedural events, not, um, not the result of negligence, not the result of misconduct, not the result of, of, uh, of poor leadership. I'm sorry, I'm still just trying to process what was that political gobbledygook we just heard? Well, I mean, it wasn't an individual. It was uh, the, the, a breakdown of process. 
What's that supposed to mean? Ten people are dead. It's somebody's fault. Someone better burn. Oh, and speaking of someone better burn, 13 of our warriors are dead too. Don't think we're going to let that go on the show. Don't think we've forgotten about those 13 brave souls. And they didn't die because of a, wah, oopsie. I mean, we have Joe Biden out there going on CBS, trying to stumble and mumble and bumble his way through it, basically saying, well, it was audible. One of the things we did decide, and I mean this, my word is a bite. I know what I'm willing to lose over. You mean you're willing to lose your presidency? My presidency. Because you're going to stick right, with it. That's right, because that. I'm going to stick with it. There are certain things that are just, like, for example, Afghanistan. Well, I've been against that war in Afghanistan for the, from the very beginning. We are spending $300 million a week in Afghanistan over 20 years. Now, how do you, you know, everybody says you could have gotten out without any, anybody being hurt. No one's come up with a way to ever indicate to me how that happens. My word is a Biden. I can't get over that. The family has a three-decade-plus record of lying about everything under the sun and he still rolls that out in the press the press lets him get away with it it just drives me crazy but let's set that aside for a moment nobody's told me how we could have gotten out of there without getting 13 of our troops incinerated you closed down the base left all our civilians there the country began to collapse overnight, which the mo was the most easily predictable thing in the world. I called that a year ago. That was not difficult to predict at all. You started to worry about the political fallout of the country collapsing overnight. So you then sent our troops not back to the base because they'd already turned all the criminals loose on the base, all the ISIS guys they'd captured. You sent our troops back to just a normal airport, same kind of airport like you'd have in your hometown to try to secure it. And you had them standing outside of an airport in massive crowds of refugees trying to escape Afghanistan. That's a situation that was ripe for, a, for an ISIS suicide bomber to wipe out how many people? I mean, we talk about our 13 warriors because that's understandably what we care most about, but that's somebody's fault. And I'll tell you something else. I could sit here and point fingers at Joe Biden all day long, and I will because he's commander-in-chief. Where's the military leadership? Millie? Austin? Any general? Anyone with some stars up here? Anyone feel like stepping up and saying... I mean, we did drone strike 10 innocent people, and that's after we got 13 of our troops incinerated. You know, I'm, I'm going to step up, and I'm going to take accountability here, and I'm going to walk away. Anyone? Anyone? Anyone at all? That's the wildest thing about this whole thing. Internationally embarrassed. Not nationally embarrassed. Internationally embarrassed. The entire world watched. Remember, other countries, even our allies, were making fun of us for it internationally embarrassed and not only has nobody resigned nobody no general no admiral no politician has even apologized for it nobody has even stepped up and said whoopsie not one oh but it's not as if nobody's left the military I, di I didn't want to indicate there you see we just kicked out 27 members of the united states air force Oh, no, 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 no. I, I, didn't want to, I, didn't, I didn't mean to lead you along and act like that was because of Afghanistan. No, they didn't get vaccinated, you see. 
You see, I, you can incinerate 10 innocent people in Afghanistan. That's fine. It's no big deal. That's just, what was it again? A breakdown of the process, I believe is what he called it. But if you don't get the vaccine, <laughs> you're gone. We have accountability around here. This is what we've become. We've become a broken, rotted society that prioritizes everything wrong. And we don't care about everything right. I'm going to play something for you now. This man is not some crazy socialist on a college campus. He's not an actor or actress or musician. This human being I'm about to play for you now, he's a nominee for the Joint Chiefs. And as you watch this guy, I want you to keep something in mind. I, I really do. I want you to keep something in mind. As you watch this guy, I want you to know something. China and Russia are successfully testing hypersonic missiles. We have no defense for those. One of those could land in New York City tomorrow and we couldn't stop it. Uh, China is actually examining ways to increase the testosterone level, not just in their military, but in their entire nation. Russia is militarily advancing faster than you can possibly imagine. Their, mil their uh, missile technology, their space technologies through the roof both of these countries are full speed ahead, mobilizing modern, deadly military forces. Here's your latest nominee for the Joint Chiefs. The role of a gender advisor is a way to uh, attack uh, a very significant issue. And uh, if confirmed, I look forward to leveraging uh, those, um, those advisors who can make me think better and smarter about um, the issues that uh, that you raise. Um, so I look forward to, if confirmed, um, uh, understanding that ecosystem and helping uh, uh, advance that uh, and advance that uh, cause um, going forward. Again, um, we want to bring everybody to the table, get the advantage of all of their uh, of their thinking, um, and uh, and it's also part of creating that safe and secure work environment for all of our sailors and soldiers, airmen, marine, coast guard, and guardian. Mm, yeah. We definitely want to bring everyone to the table. I mean, everyone should be at the table, right? It's, it's only the United States military. It's not as if it's a matter of life and death. I've got something everybody needs to hear right now, and I understand this is going to be wildly offensive, but you know I don't care. Don't write me asking me to apologize to I won't. Everyone doesn't belong at the table. Most people shouldn't be anywhere near the table. Go sit in the corner and suck your thumb while the adults are putting together a military that can take on Russia and China. I don't care about your stupid feelings. Guess what? Women shouldn't even be on deployed naval vessels or in combat units. We shouldn't have a military full of trannies. We shouldn't have a climate change division in the Pentagon. And none of the other countries who want to knock us off the number one spot on the world stage are dealing with these problems at all. Only in America does the Joint Chiefs get up in front of Congress and talk, well, everyone should be at the table. Uh, do we have enough gender diversity? I want to make sure women are happy enough. Have we examined white rage, guys? We're all going to die. Those are the stakes. Those are the stakes of the game. I've tried to explain this before. Allow me to explain it again. You, an American, me, an American, you don't know what it's like when bombs fall on your cities. You don't know what it's like to walk down a street and sink into the asphalt because it's become molten and watch your family burn to death in front of you. Ask them in Tokyo what that's like. They know. You don't know what it's like to suffocate 
standing in a room with no fire in it because the air has been so superheated it gobbled up all the oxygen and you and your family die there clutching each other in the living room. Oh, does that sound scary? Does that sound like I'm trying to scare you? Good, because I am. Those are the stakes of losing the game. We talked about 13 warriors dead in Afghanistan. Horrible, right? You watch those coffins come off the plane, you probably cried. I got choked up a little myself. How about 13,000 in a day? How about a U.S. carrier group? 20,000 sailors, give or take, at the bottom of the Pacific like that. Because you're going to be diverse. What about white rage, guys? They're worried about killing every one of you, everyone you love, everyone you know. Those are the stakes of the game. And what's wild is I feel like I almost didn't even do this segment tonight because I feel like nobody cares. You probably care, but not enough people do. And what's, what's awful, they won't care. You can say, you can, you can try to comfort yourself all you want. Well, if Trump takes over again, Trump took over and didn't do anything about it. Oh, but what about Ron DeSantis? Ron DeSantis, who I'm a fan of, you think Ron DeSantis is going to step up and say, ah, women deployed on naval vessels has been a colossal disaster and they're gone now? You think you can do that? What we need to fix this country is not something probably politically possible. We are in deep, deep trouble. Deep, deep trouble. If I was to take over today as President of the United States and try any of this, you know what I'd be getting a lot of? I'd be getting a lot of people from the right. Are you saying my daughter shouldn't be on a battleship? Yes, lady, that's what I'm saying. They know it, though. I mean, Russia and China, they know it. Joe Biden just had a long phone conversation with Vladimir Putin about all these troops on the border. Remember, Russia has 100,000 troops on the border. Joe had a phone conversation. Well, Stern talking to you. You know what Vladimir Putin did? He said, oh, okay, all right, sounds good, Joe. All right, you're mad. All right, sounds good. Beep. Hey, uh, Vladimir. Send 10,000 more. He hung up the phone and sent 10,000 more troops to the border. Joe Biden bows to China every single chance he gets. And again, I can't make people care. And the truth is, it's going to take such a horrific loss of life before people do. It'll take an American city on fire. It'll take a carrier group at the bottom of the ocean. It'll take an army regiment, marine regiment wiped out somewhere. And at that day, on that day, on that day, when it comes, because war is always inevitable. There's always another one around the corner. When that day comes, there will be so many people shocked, saddened, looking around, saying, what? How did this happen? I don't understand. How could this happen? We had fancy planes. You want to know how it happened? You're living it. Right now is how it happened. Japan didn't lose its war with the United States of America in World War II. During the war, they lost it before. Germany didn't lose its war during the war. They lost it before. Wars are won and lost in the years in between when they're fought. And we're in the middle of losing World War III. And you don't want to know what that feels like. All that may have made you uncomfortable. But I'm right. We have a great show for you tonight. Horrific violations of privacy going on right now. And that wolf... He's not going to be full when he's done eating me or you. He's coming for everyone. I'll explain what I'm talking about in just a second. But probably time to gear up, huh? Probably time to make sure you have quality gear in your possession. Northwest Retention Systems has custom gear. 
custom gear right here in America, made in America, and not just holsters. You know how much I love their holsters. They're a lot more than cool designs. It's the best quality I've ever seen in my life. Custom slings, belts. Go to nwretention.com right now. If you're hunting for that gift for your husband and you're saying things to yourself like all women seem to say this time of year, he's so hard to shop for. No, he's not. Go to nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. You get 10% off. Get him something from there. He'll enjoy it. nwretention.com. We'll be back. Mr. Meadows received numerous text messages, which he has produced without any privilege claim, imploring that Mr. Trump take the specific action we all knew his duty required. These text messages leave no doubt the White House knew exactly what was happening here at the Capitol. Okay. Text messages. Sounds very scary. The White House knew what was happening. January 6th. You know, we're not even going to go off on January 6th here for a moment. We're just going to set that aside. All the absurd, over-the-top, I mean, the, the political persecutions that have come from January 6th. Remember, we still have political prisoners right now in the United States of America. They're rotting in D.C. jails because they happen to be Republicans. Most of your elected Republicans, by the way, are too scared to say anything about it. But it's happening right now in your country. Let's set all that aside for a moment. I want you to skip to the next video. And I want, you to, I want you to remember something as you watch Liz Cheney in this video. I want you to remember the monster comes for you too. Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those people out there who still thinks January 6th was this dangerous coup. Anyone involved should get the death penalty. We almost lost America. I would argue you're an absurd nutball, but it, maybe that is what you believe. Fine, fine, that's fine. I'm not even going to talk you out of it right now. But let's, let's just remember this. This monster, this government monster who chooses to attack and intimidate and invade the privacy of anyone it deems an enemy, that government monster historically has a way of making everyone an enemy in the end. So while you, while you watch this and you hear names like Don Jr. and Meadows and things like that, I want you to remember something. Whatever your name is, this could easily be a congressman one day on camera reading your name and your text messages. According to the records, multiple Fox News hosts knew the president needed to act immediately. They texted Mr. Meadows, and he has turned over those texts. Quote, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingram wrote. Please get him on TV, destroying everything you have accomplished, Brian Kilmeade texted. Quote, can he make a statement, ask people to leave the Capitol, Sean Hannity urged. As the violence continued, one of the president's sons texted Mr. Meadows, quote, he's got to condemn this ASAP. The Capitol Police tweet is not enough, Donald Trump Jr. texted. Again, we're not going to talk, talk about January 6th. What's your plans, if you support that kind of thing, 
What's your plans for when that monster sets its sights on you? Remember something. Political intimidation is going on right now in the United States of America. We still live in a country where the NSA spied on Tucker Carlson's private text messages and then released the contents of those text messages to one of its media allies so they would publicize it. We are living in dangerous times in this country, and the GOP had better step up and return fire when you take over. I want my own special committee run by Republicans. Let's have a Russian collusion special committee. I want Adam Schiff's text messages read in front of the American people. But no, you know what we'll get? Well, we're better than that, guys. We've got to be better than them. That's what we'll get. All right, you know what? We got a lot more. We got Carol Markowitz coming up, but first, are you in debt? Do you have $10,000 more? $10,000 or more in debt? $50,000? Look, maybe it's more. You're not going to get any judgment from me. But I do want you to know, you don't just have to lay down and accept that. You don't have to say to yourself, well, nothing I can do about it. I'm embarrassed, but uh, those internet loans, credit cards, it got away from me. You don't have to do that. Go to Total Financial Freedom. They've been helping people just like you for a long time, over 15 years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau for a reason. If you're buried in debt, set aside all that feeling sorry for yourself garbage and make one phone call. Call 877-332-8291. Tell them Jesse Kelly told you to call. 877-332-8291. We'll be back. Gavin Newsom, that's his big stupid face you see on TV right there. He just brought back universal mask mandates in California, and this is probably my favorite part, even for the vaccinated. Now, that's quite a drastic step. I mean, my goodness, did the bubonic plague break out? No, it's just in response to the Omicron variant. And to date, I believe one person on the entire planet has died of this variant, which has been described by doctors as similar to a mild cold. Which brings us to my friend Carol Markowitz. She's, of course, great columnist with the New York Post. And New York, Governor Hochul in New York is doing the same kind of thing there. And Carol has announced that she's leaving. She wrote a great article on Fox News, and she said she's leaving New York. Now, if you know Carol like I do, you know that is a very, very big deal. That's not a small thing for Carol Markowitz to say she's leaving New York. So I had to bring her on and ask her, Carol... Why? It, you know, it was time uh, for a lot of reasons, but it was absolutely unequivocally because of the COVID lockdowns, mandates, and general insanity that has pushed us out. Um, my husband and I are both lifelong, lifelong New Yorkers. We both uh, have been living in New York City since we were small children. We were planning to raise our own children here. We had completed our forever house, uh, moved in March 2020. We're never going to leave. Um, and then COVID hit and everyone around us lost their ever loving minds. And it's look, what you believed in March, 2020, April, 2020, May, 2020, uh, I'm willing to get over all of that. If you believe that the cloth mask that you're wearing made some difference back then, fine. 
But to continue to believe it into December 2021, and we're seeing no light at the end of the tunnel, and particularly for kids, um, uh, we have to get out. Carol, can you give me some idea of, obviously you're there every day talking to everyday people. Can you give me an idea of how much regular people support it? It's not news that New York City's leadership, political leadership, is a, they're a bunch of nutballs. Right. New York State's political leadership's a bunch of nutballs. Yeah. But what do regular people say? I'm assuming the political leaders feel like they have the consent of the governed. Yeah. So the problem is, is that people are really afraid to speak up. So I'll meet people who think this is all crazy, who think that so many of the things that we've done have been insane. And they'll say, but obviously I can't be open about it. I can't even get people to come on the record, you know, when schools were closed and say, I don't think schools should have been closed, even though schools were open all over the country and all over the world. Um, so it's it's been really tough getting people to not be scared to say that this is insanity and we're living in a crazy situation. Um, the thing is, I think that a lot of New Yorkers do like these policies, that they do want more mandates, that they want tighter protection. Um, and, and it is a political consideration. They don't want to be like those people who don't do enough to save themselves from COVID. Um, and so I see it all the time. I, I constantly see people say, you know, um, we should have brought back indoor mask mandates earlier. The funny thing is that if you ask New Yorkers, so many New Yorkers didn't even know that we didn't have an indoor mask mandate and, until recently. And yeah, they were wearing it anyway. It didn't make any difference. So yeah, it's, it's really a, a crazy time. Carol, as you know, I'm not a New York City hater. I realize it's fashionable yeah. on the right, but I'm a New York City lover. I adore the daggone place. I love it. But yeah. look, I'll be honest, it sucks now. I, I yeah. used to visit all the time. I can't go anywhere. There's pee everywhere. There's homeless people everywhere. It doesn't feel safe. It, 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 I can't even eat anywhere because I'm not vaccinated. Yeah. It sucks now. I, I don't want it to suck. I, I know you're leaving, and I applaud you for the decision. I want it to come back. Same. Is there some light at the end of the tunnel I'm not seeing? I don't think so. So, you know, so we're leaving pretty soon. Um, and I can't take our kids on like a goodbye tour of New York City restaurants. We can't go to like our favorite places because my kids are not vaccinated. And they've decided that even back, even children have to be vaccinated to eat indoors at restaurants or go to museums or do anything. Um, and I don't see widespread outrage. I also want New York to come back. And I think it will. I really do. I just think that it, may, it might be in 10 years. It might be in 15 years. And I have small children and I can't wait that out. If it was, if it were just my husband and me, we might see what happens. We might put up with the pee everywhere and whatever. Um, but because of our kids, we, we just can't keep them in this crazy place. We have to get them out. You know, I was thinking today, um, you know, to, we're hearing all these people from blue states. I mean, Dave Rubin announced he's leaving uh, California. Uh, Sora Bamari is leaving New York also. Um, Caitlin Flanagan didn't, it wasn't over COVID restrictions, but it was over crime. She's leaving California. But where are the um, Democrats, liberals leaving red states? Aren't they scared for their lives with the lack of COVID restrictions? Shouldn't they be departing these these crazy places that won't put in mask mandates and vaccine mandates and the rest of it where are these stories they can make a big splash this week they could make a big splash and carol i i wonder this i've wondered it from the very beginning what percentage of the population really bought into this 
And what percentage was, as you've already pointed out, just simply too scared to speak up? And if that number is what I think it is, the majority of people just being too scared to speak up, what's that say about us, not as a city, as a country, that we're too afraid now to speak basic truths? What happened to us? Well, we're in a really scary moment. Um, I really, I call it the age of conformity, where you must fit in with everybody else and you must say things in the exact same way that everybody says everything. I mean, look what's going on right now with J.K. Rowling. She's saying, things that I think most people agree with and she's not anti-trans and she's not you know she's not nothing she's saying is is uh crazy but she's you know they, they're coming for her really hard because she's not being specific enough to the trans cause and that's very you know scary to watch you can't say anything even remotely different um on the left and I think people know it and they're afraid I heard this last year and they said you know I can't speak out for schools opening. I'm afraid someone's going to call my boss and say, you know, Janet wants teachers to die. And that's literally what people are, are scared of. I, I, I cannot tell you how different it's gotten where I, when I speak to people, they will not speak on the record or with their names attached about anything, anything, because they're so scared of somebody reaching out to their boss or, you know, sending mail to their home or any of it, um, you know, having a protest at their house, a any number of things. They they live in fear of speaking out and and being punished for it. Yeah. Well, I am glad we do have governors like the one who's about to be your next governor. Here's Ron DeSantis of Florida. Yep. What are we on, like day 700 of the 15 days to slow the spread? The fact of the matter is, I think we've learned, you give these people an inch, they will never let go. They are going to take a mile, they are going to restrict, they're going to mandate, they're going to lock you down, and we cannot accept that. Obviously, in Florida, we do not accept it, so there's no reason to be restricting or mandating anybody uh, throughout our country. And the fact that this is still going on in these blue states, and maybe even intensify over the coming weeks and months. Uh, it just shows you if you value your freedom uh, in 2022, if you're in those states, you need to make your voice heard and you got to do a change of direction because I fear that they're going to continue to do this until they suffer at the ballot box. Yeah. I Carol, obviously that was mm -hmm. Governor Heavy D. Uh, doesn't this further the divide of the United States of America, which I see is inevitable anyway, but is also unhealthy? Isn't red going to get redder and blue going to get bluer now? You'd think, right? But again, I don't see people leaving red states. I don't, there's a lot of businesses and a lot of people on the left living in, say, Texas. How come they're not leaving Austin over, you know, these policies by your governor? Um, and how come people who live in Florida aren't leaving en masse either? Aren't they terrified? Aren't they so scared, um, you know, because of these lack of COVID restrictions? We, we just don't see it. But I do see red states getting redder. I, listen, these are the consequences of pushing out people like me who love New York, who were, who was going to stay here forever and who was going to, you know, deal with the leftism. I really was. I was I was ready to live my life in this otherwise insane place uh, until they came for my kids and they came in a really specific way, um, destroying their childhood, destroying their upbringing, destroying schooling. Uh, I, I, I was going to put up with all of it. And yet, you know, now I can't. And yeah, I'm going to make a red state redder. Good for you. Carol Markowitz, best of luck to the Markowitz family. Go enjoy the Sunshine State. I'll be down there in December. Yes. See you soon. All right. Now, tis the season to go shopping for insurance. Oh, I know it sucks. Don't get me wrong. I know it sucks. 
I've had to do it so many times. You see that sneer on my face? I've had to do it so many times. And I know, here's what happens normally, because I do most of mine on my phone. I have like 10 different tabs open, and I'm trying to break down uh, these premiums, the deductible. Uh, honey, do you, what are we paying now? It's just the worst thing in the world. And it's only gotten worse. I am very, very grateful for companies like OneShare Health. One, it's a faith-based organization, and those just, for some reason, always seem to run a bit better, don't they? Customer service is outstanding. Your options, they're endless. Whether you're buying for yourself or your family, they're endless. Vision, dental, 24-7 telehealth, it's all there. And if you go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly right now, and you go to Jesse Kelly as the promo code, you get $75 off your enrollment fee. Plus, 5% of your monthly goes to our veterans with PTSD. Go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly. Go explore your options there. I think you'll enjoy them. John Carney breaking down some economics for us. Next. Lots of finance talk out there today. Producer price indexes and all these fancy words, and I need someone smart to come explain it to me. So joining me now is John Carney. He's the Breitbart News Finance and Economics Editor. John, producer price index has risen by a record 9.6%. That sounds really bad, but I don't know what those words mean. What's that mean? So the producer price index is the second version of inflation that the Department of Labor produces. They come out with something called the consumer price index, which you might be familiar with. Uh, sorry about that. And the consumer price index uh, is how much we're, consumers are paying for goods and services. It includes imports. The producer price index uh, is, is measured instead by asking companies what they're getting paid. Um, so it doesn't include imports because we don't ask the foreign companies. It does include exports. And it actually allows us to look deeper into the economy because we're not just measuring what consumers are paying for things, but what businesses are paying other things for the, pro the goods and services they're buying. So like, a, let's say a car maker buys parts from a third party car uh, auto part maker, then we get to measure that in the producer price index. Okay, so this sounds like a long, fancy way of saying costs of the goods businesses are buying are going up. That's right. So it's gone up by 9.6%, which is much more than anybody expected. And if you look further into the numbers, it's going up by even more than that. In fact, uh, a category called processed goods for intermediate demand is up 26.5%. So that's everything that goes through some process and is sold to another business before it gets sold on to consumers is up 26.5%. Okay, so what does this mean for me? John, I don't, I, I don't run an auto parts place. I, I, don't own, I don't own a tire dealership somewhere. What's it mean for Joe Schmo? Well, so the 9.6% is you because that's what they call final okay. demand. So that's, the, that's it getting to the final users of these things. And so what that means is we're all paying higher prices. Now we knew this, last week we got the CPI number that was running very high. One of the things that seems to be happening though is that inflation is accelerating. We were told earlier in the year, and you and I have talked about this before, that they said inflation was gonna be transitory, that the numbers were going to come down as we went into year end. And you know, supposedly supply chain problems were gonna clear up and demand was going to shift to services well, we have seen demand shift to services, but that just drove inflation up 
and services as well. And we're not seeing any cooling off in inflation. Those numbers I talked about, the intermediate demand numbers, that actually is probably an indication that there's more inflation ahead. There's inflation in the production system that is going to come down and get the consumer uh, in the future. It's not going away anytime soon. John, I have tried to explain to people before, while Joe Biden has obviously made everything much, much worse, if you're mad about inflation, I mean, you should be yelling about, honestly, the last two or three years of trillion-dollar bill and trillion-dollar bill and trillion-dollar bill and printing trillions in unbacked currency and just chucking it into the market. What you're seeing now is not a result of what we're doing. It's a result of what we've done. That's right. This is uh, right now the inflation we're experiencing is because we poured money into the economy when the pandemic happened. We said, uh-oh. In some ways, we did. We were fighting the last war. Uh, after the great uh, financial crisis, we saw really that uh, demand stayed very low and unemployment stayed very high for a long time. So this time, policymakers pretty much reacted as they may, as they wish they acted back in 2009, 2010. They poured money into the economy. The problem was we didn't have that kind of economic crisis. And in fact, once we started to reopen the economy, demand surged much higher and pouring money was like pouring kerosene onto a fire. We were probably already going to get inflation just from this sudden stop and start of the economy. When we poured a lot of extra demand there, it made it far, far worse. All right, John, I'm going to play a little clip. I'm sure you've seen it about 10,000 times of CNBC's Jim Cramer, and I'm, I'm confused. Right, first of all, to me, we have the strongest economy perhaps I have ever seen. See that number this morning, the unemployment number? It's the best in years, not best in 69. We have all spotted the endless help wanted signs, the housing and apartment shortages, the tremendous demand for goods and services, a marvel to behold. Oh, people are confident about their jobs. I say fantastic. And the ability to even get better ones if they want to. They're spending more than I've ever seen, but they're doing it with cash, not on credit. They're doing so in a Roaring Twenties style. All right, uh, uh, John, no, I'm certainly not an economist. I don't have a financial show, but uh, that doesn't, none of that seems to be ringing true to me. Is he right? No, he's not right. Look, I used to work with Jim. We're friends, actually. He uh, he is doing exactly what I was saying. He's addressing the problems of the last economic crisis instead of the problems of this economic crisis. In fact, the surveys show that people aren't concerned about employment right now. They knew jobs were going to come back when we reopened the economy. We didn't have an economic crisis brewing before the pandemic hit. In fact, the economy was doing very well. So when you take off the restrictions, when people start to no longer be as afraid of getting infected, of course jobs start to come back. So Kramer's talking about that, and he's right. Jobs are doing pretty well, but that's not the problem in the economy. The problem is people are falling behind because even if you have a job, even if you've gotten a raise, you're probably paying more for the goods and services you're using than your raise. So people who are getting really record high raises, if you got a 5% raise, you're still 1.9% under because inflation is running so high. All right, we have Jen Psaki here. Listen to this little thought about build back better. 
so the president says that the Build Back Better is not going to add a penny to the deficit. The CBO has this new score uh, where they assume that social programs are going to be made permanent, and in that case it would add almost $3 trillion. So does that mean that President Biden will commit that these programs are not going to be made permanent? Well, first of all, what we're, you're talking about here is a fake CBO score that is not based on the actual bill that anybody is voting on. This was a ask request by Senator Graham to score a bill that is not currently being debated. Uh, that is her prerog- his prerogative to, t- to do, uh, but what our focus is on is on the existing bill that will lower the deficit, uh, that will also, over an additional 10 years, pay for the $2 trillion tax cuts that Republicans didn't pay for. They're welcome for that. Okay, John, uh, unpack, build back better what we know now, because actually what she said there is partially correct. It's not even a bill yet. It's kind of a blank slate that everyone seems to be chucking their own special interests at at the moment. But what is this thing? So here's what happened. They, in order to keep the size of the bill, the price tag for it, small enough, they pretend that they're that a bunch of the programs that they're going to start and and pay and have run in the beginning are going to run out after a couple of years. Now there's no way that's going to happen. And in fact, privately they acknowledge this all the time. They don't expect the things that sunset, the spending programs at sunset, to actually sunset. They'll be extended. And so what uh, Senator Graham did is he went and told the CBO, okay, look, we know this stuff isn't really going away. What's the cost of the bill if it, if the programs keep running? Uh, Jen Psaki says that's fake, but that's actually the real way to look at this. Uh, her way of looking at it, which is we're just going by what's in the bill, is uh, using is allowing an accounting gimmick to triumph over reality. The real price tag is the four trillion dollar number. It's not this one point five trillion that they keep pointing to. That's what I thought, John Carney. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. All right, we have light in the mood next, and it's. It's a good one. But first, George Soros. How much have you been hearing me talk about George Soros lately? All that violent crime. Who's, who's paying for all this anarchy in America? Who's paying for all this violence and chaos? Well, there is somebody. There is somebody paying for it. His name is George Soros. You want to know who this guy is? Where does he come from? What are his motivations? Why would you do things like that? Well, I'm doing a special on George Soros. It should come out this Friday. That's the good news. The bad news is you can't watch it like this. You got to go to the firsttv.com slash support and sign up, and then you'll be able to watch it on Friday. The firsttv.com slash support. Then you can watch that Soros documentary. We'll be right back with Light in the Moon. You remember riding bikes as a kid and skateboards? I did that to a lesser extent. I did do it. But you remember riding bikes as a kid? I remember, one, how much I loved it, how much I treasured my first bike. It was like it was like my first car. I'd, I'd go anywhere I want now. And you know what else I remember? I remember hurting myself a lot. Now, granted, I know you're going to find this shocking, but I would do some dangerous things on a bike. We would build ramps that should never have been built and didn't necessarily have the structural integrity they should have had. And I came home more than once carrying my bike with blood pouring out various parts of my body. That's true. That's true. But 
They were still fond memories. I wonder if the people in this video have any of those fond memories. Oh. Oh. All right, I'll see you tomorrow.